Welcome to Girlfriend Let's Talk, the podcast designed for you, a space to have girl chats where we can talk about all things womanhood to Christian life. From what we survive to what we need to succeed, we can share our stories helping each other through all the highs and the lows. We help, we love. Girl, let's talk with your host, Reva Hart. talk about relationship trauma. Relationships are without a doubt one of the most incredible aspects of a human experience, specifically because we are capable of witnessing our love for someone grow more than we ever thought it could as we can get to know them, right? And watch it grow and hope for it to grow on an increasingly deeper level. But the reality is no matter how many epic midnight phone calls we have in the wee hours of the morning or how many times you've traded your secrets in the dark with your partner, there are often still things to be learned about your significant other. And today we'll be talking about relationship trauma with (laughs) Moya. Sia Moya is the CEO and the founder of Instrument of God, where she is called to inspire motivate and equip individuals that have been bound by the traumas of their life to heal and walk into their God-given wholeness. I love it. Sia is not only a minister of the Word of God, she is also a prophetic poet and a Amazon best-selling author of The Girlfriend Code. Please go get that. Women's Empowerment Breakthrough Edition. Welcome, Sia. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm so pumped. Like, I haven't even had my coffee yet. That holy ghost. (laughs) Okay. And I also, I'm just, when the subject of healing of any dynamic come up, man. Mm -hmm. So is there a story that led you to being a trauma coach and being an instrument of God? Yeah, you know, there's a long story, but I'll kind of condense that for you. I come from trauma. I came from a home where my father was very abusive to my mother, very abusive. I was molested at an early age, not once, not twice, but three times, family members, family friend. I mean, you know, you go through that. I'm a dark skinned girl and I love my dark skin. But in the early part of the 80s, you know, you had this thing, light skin, dark skin, you know, and I'm African. And so I come with a darker, darker shade of skin. And so I always struggled with self-esteem issues because I came from a home where my parents, and I'm saying this, you know, not that they didn't love me, they loved me the way they know how to love, but it was very verbally abusive. And so I just didn't feel pretty. I didn't have the validation and the nurturing that I needed specifically as a child. Every child needs something different. So when your purity is stolen at an early age, your mind don't know how to comprehend that. When you see your father beating the life out of your mother, your mind don't know how to comprehend that. When you are the older sibling in your family and you have to be in protection mode. While I did have childhood memories, good things, I had a lot of bad ones. So now you move into teenage years and you like boys. And so being molested, I equated sex with love. And then because I didn't receive the things that I really wanted from my father, and my father wasn't just with my mother, he was with other women, I thought that was the dynamics of what a woman is good for, sex, Mm -hmm. giving man what he needs. And so I went on a search for love. And it didn't often end the way that I would have liked it, rejection, being used, being abused. And then we move on to my later years, 17, I have a child. And now I'm like, I got somebody to love me. 
right? And, and me trying to figure out, okay, well, now I'm a mom. Now I got to be an adult. I just missed the part of being young, free. And, and I always had a deep love for God. I always knew I was different. And one of the things that I early was able to understand was all my friends always would come to me and talk to me about their problems. And I'm very resourceful person. I'm going to find a solution to a problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a gift of writing, which really helped me in communication. I always had a way of communicating. And I find a passion for ministering, preaching at a young age, counseling people. It was always this attraction to me and people. To my point of walking into my calling is the up and down battle of in and out of relationships, one toxic relationship after another. And so my last relationship was very lethal to the point I was in a relationship. I can't even say relationship. God forgive me. Situationship with a gentleman who I completely lost myself in. If it wasn't for God, I would have really literally lost my mind. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, enough is enough. And I'm sure we'll get into that later with whatever questions you have. But it came to a point, like I said, I fully surrendered to God. But God would always have people tell me what I was called to do. And although in my trauma seasons, I didn't know how I was going to get to there. When I got to there, I full-fledged put the gas to the pedal. Right. And so I knew I was called to help people heal. I am serious about this healing business. I don't play because I believe, I know that we pray and I know that we read scripture and just as well as there's something spiritual that you need, there's something natural that you need. And so I merge both of those worlds together. Amen. Well, we're glad that you accepted <laughs> the call. You know, I think before we're born, it says God knew us before we are formed in our mother's womb. And so we already had a calling. Now it's our choice if we choose to adhere to the calling, right? But the Bible says many are called, few were chosen. So that's the difference. I knew that I was chosen, right? But I always wondered why. And I lived most of my life mm. in the why. Yes, I went to church. Yes, I loved God. But I had this war wage with God because it was like, why me? You know, what is so special about me and God? Why does my life have to be this way? And it wasn't until after surrendering, fully surrendering to God, because, you know, in life we go through surrendering moments, fully, fully surrendering to God that I knew the why. And when the why was answered for me, I was able to walk into my purpose and my calling. See, a lot of times what we are going through is not about us. We're just the instrument. And that's why my thing is called instrument of God or my ministry, should I say, because we are the instrument that God is going to use to set others free, to heal others. And so you can't be effective in whatever your calling is if you haven't lived through it. I don't want to hear from somebody that can't share in my experience. Okay. I don't from somebody that can't put their hand to the problem and bring a solution. It's okay for you to talk about your opinion. God doesn't care about opinions. Are you going to be the instrument that I call to be you? Yes. So if you are, you're going to go through some things. We all have gone through some things. You know that, Miss Reba. You've mm -hmm. gone through some things. And so, yes, there's a great cost. Just like the Lord sacrificed his son on the cross, that was a great cost. In me understanding the cost, it gave me a greater understanding of how much God loves me. That's the thing we miss. We think because God allows us to go through things, he don't love us. Oh, he loves you a great amount that he sees you as something worthy to be used. Mm. And even though he knows you're going through, he knows you're going to recover. Mm -hmm. He ain't going to put you through a test that you can't recover. I don't give his name <laughs> no glory. 
So you know what? Mm. I will take the cost. If I had to do it all over again, I would. Can you tell us what is relationship trauma? So relationship trauma is a toxic, emotional, intimate relationship where there is a deep codependency on each party uh, with intense baggage, hangups, and symptoms that's sort of similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. So there's like a severe emotional and or physical abuse sometimes, right? But it's intensified. Right. You know how um, this phase of where you meet somebody and then there's the love bombing component. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God. Within days, you think you in love. Right. I've been there, <laughs> done that. As that happens, people that experience trauma, they live in a place of illusion. OK, mm-hmm. because oftentimes we want to escape our realities. And so if you have a deep desire to have love and connection, although you really don't know what that is on a healthy aspect, you create this illusion in your mind of what it looks like, what it should feel like. And then you come into this phase of what I talk about is the fantasy bonding. You create this world, this idea in which you live in it and it's false, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't wanna face the reality of what your current situation is, or you don't wanna deal with what's going on deep inside. So I wanna feel something that I believe that's in my mind. And then what happens is the dynamics start breaking down, then the problems are coming, right? Mm. And then we see the whole, when you deal with trauma, you attract people that have trauma as well, right? So we talk about the trauma bonding. That's not just with intimate relationships, that's with friendships, that's with coworkers, right? And why do you attract these people? Because what lives inside of you is what you attract. So that's really what, relationship trauma is it's this toxic entanglement where we bond by our wounds right we may not talk the same but we have similar views and communication and it's just this place where it's just unhealthy that's how i would explain what relationship trauma is so you know living through traumatic events in itself may result in expectations of danger you Mm -hmm. know you're on high alert awareness or feeling always betrayed or potentially harmed But to experience it within a new or old relationship is definitely a topic to just really explore today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's different layers and aspects of my trauma story. However, when you deal with it inside of a relationship, my God. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think that is where you begin to realize I got some issues. Yes. Because what happens is now, if your partner has trauma, now you guys are mirroring each other. So then it's certain things that will happen that will trigger and bring up things that you didn't believe that was there. Like I would always do this thing with my mom, you know, we went through this phase where I was so resentful because I was like, how could you stay with this man? You have the complexities of your father has bad behavior. Now, I don't think people are bad. I think they have bad behavior. We learn behavior, right? Mm-hmm. The time I, I would just be so mad at him because it's like, how could you do this to my mom? But then on the flip side, I love you. It did something to me and I didn't know how to balance those emotions. But what I found was at a young, I'm like, I'm never going to be with somebody like my dad. I ain't ever going to be like my mama. And speed up. Love the home. I'm dating my daddy and I'm my mama. That's what happens. You end up dating who your father is or being with who your father is and becoming who your mother is. And I found that to be what was happening in my relationships. But subconsciously, I didn't know that. So 
what happens is you attract these people because really you're trying to find daddy in your man and your man yeah. can't live and be daddy for you, right? Yeah. So we put all these expectations on people, unrealistic expectations that they have not committed to. They didn't sign up for that, right? So now if you have a healthy partner, it becomes a challenge because now they have to be doing overwork to make you feel regulated, to make you feel safe. And what happens is sometimes if the person not able to handle it, you self-sabotage a healthy relationship because your dynamics, I'm going to tell you, my dynamics was if a man wasn't talking crazy to me or we wasn't fighting, that wasn't love. I wanted the intensity. I wanted the challenges because I wanted to fight to prove my love. I wanted you to fight for me. And hindsight, learning how to have a healthy relationship, that's not healthy, right? Yes. And so you find yourself in a relationship where there's a lot of challenges with distrust. You may find it hard to open up. You may be dealing with a lot of things when it comes to intimacy. Like I said, I equated sex with love. When we look at these girls and we say they're promiscuous, no, they're not promiscuous. Let's go back. What has happened to them? Yeah. Could it be that they were molested? Could it be that they never had a true definition or example of what love is? Mm-hmm. So, my language says, I'm going to have sex with you. I'm going to have sex with a lot of people because that's what love is, right? Mm-hmm. So you find yourself in a relationship that's very toxic, that depending on how intense it is, it can turn physical. Piggyback off what you were just saying, being too withdrawn, being neglected of emotional attention and nurturing. So there's a lot of attachment styles that play into relationship trauma. I kind of jotted some things down because I think that helps to give perspective um, to understanding where you fall. A lot of people will have a dismissive avoidant attachment, which in their childhood, they have experienced neglect or rejection from caregivers, right? So these individuals, they avoid being close to others. They often strive to be very independent. I was, and you can have a mixture of these attachment styles, right? Yes. So you may not just be in one category, right? So you can be overly independent, which I was, because I was like, you know what? I don't trust people. I can do this on my own, right? And so those people, they tend to be enclosed or more likely to keep secrets and fear of threats. And you don't want somebody to threaten your independence because that's your safety. That has now become your coping mechanism, right? And you also deal with a little bit of perfectionism in there too, right? But then there's also what we're talking about now, the fearful avoiding. You want love, right? And you'll be with somebody, but... I always would say that I would never let somebody get deeply close to know all of who I was because that was a safe space for me. So I safeguarded, right? So these individuals have experienced childhood abuse, chaos, or neglect, and they are afraid of being alone. So that's why you stay with somebody, right? But just because you stay with somebody doesn't mean that you opened yourself up to intimacy, right? So you avoid closeness and intimacy. You have difficulty trusting others. And then your extremities of closeness come to avoidance. You avoid. So I'll be with you. We could date, we can have fun. But when it comes to that intimacy, I got to run away. It don't feel right. It don't feel safe. And then you got people that are anxious, preoccupied attachment, right? So these attachment styles, they have had instability, childhood change a lot. You see childhood 
where the dynamics in the family, somebody's always in and out of the home or they're always moving. There's inconsistent parents. The parent is absent and the parent leaves for a while and comes back, right? So there's instability there. And so they lack attentiveness, right? They become cold, right? You often see them people like, golly, you can't even tell they got emotions because at any point in time, they don't know. I don't know if I can get close because I don't know if you're going to be here long enough, right? But they also, when they find themselves in a relationship, they become very clingy because they don't want to lose something that means something to them, right? They become needy. They're very hypersensitive, right, to their partners. And then I talk about, once again, this is how if you become too needy for somebody and they can't handle it, it's almost like you're self-sabotaging the relationship, but you're in fear of abandonment. So I got to hold on to this thing because I ain't ever had it. I mean, like you've seen the people that can't be without their men or their women. It's like 24 seven. Like, do you breathe? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Those are some of the attachment styles that you fall into, just to name a few. There's others. And then when you're in these type of relationships, you have very high emotionally fueled disagreements. Because there's an unbalance, a lot of the balances comes from our emotions and the unresolved things that we don't have language to put to the emotions. So we act out. You can see people are very irritable, right? So like you talked about, the withdrawal, that's a way of dealing. I don't want to deal with conflict. I don't want to deal with your behavior. So I'm just going to withdraw. I don't want to give that no attention. Um, you can always have a suspicious mentality. Even though you're with somebody, you always think their intent is bad. You're just waiting for them to do something. So you be like, I, I just knew it. I just knew it. Like relationships are not for me. Yeah. (laughs) Or you can always have this sense of fear that, oh my God, I'm not good enough. My partner's going to cheat on me. Oh my God. Like there's so many things that happen in relationships that have trauma. Right. And then the fact that a lot of us struggle with not accepting love. Right. We need constant reassurance. And that can be tiring for somebody when they're like, Hey, like I'm proving to you. I love you. I'm proving to you that I'm consistent, that I'm here. But it's our subconscious, it's our wounds that talk to us, right? Mm-hmm. I always tell my clients, like, you're afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. That's where your anxiety comes. But what we need to do is rewire the mind. Mm-hmm. If you, you want a healthy relationship, you got to know what that looks like. What does that feel like? So when it comes, you know how to receive it. So a lot of we're living in our old patterns, our old mechanisms, our old thought processes. So part of being a coach is teaching you the other side of that. That's so good somebody listening to this will be helped. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of this. We're talking about relationships as far as romantic relationships, because I do want us to touch on a little bit towards the end on how trauma and friendships. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. I have lived through that. <laughs> how that looks, but you have a process that you go through with your clients that come to you? Maybe one tool or one tip that you use with them. Uh, You mentioned rewiring the mind, but is there anything else that you can share? Here's the thing. A lot of times when trauma patients, a lot of your work as a coach will be listening. People want you to listen and take some time, a few days. We don't jump into right away. Every traumatic experience that you can recall. Then I tell them, talk them through like, hey, this is what the next phase is going to look. In order for you to heal, we got to go revisit those places. See, one of the things is as a trauma coach, I don't want us to stay in the past too long. I just want us to go and deal with it. And now let's move to your present and your future. And then we begin to rewire, change your frame of mind, change how you speak. A lot of my clients, I have them 
it's important for you to hear your voice. So I will tell them, you know what, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to speak to yourself and listen back to yourself because they've heard voices of other people for so long. Yes. I need to wipe that out and then feel empowered. Your voice needs to be validated. So there's so many different techniques, but those are some of the things that we do. Amazing. I was going to ask you, how do you incorporate your Christian beliefs in your coaching business? For me, I'm not ashamed of who God is. And I believe that God going to bring the clients that are divinely connected to me. I've always said that, Lord, bring the people that you want me. So I'm not looking for clients. I shouldn't say I'm not looking for clients that are not faith-based, right? But I do have some that are not. I have a girl that's Muslim, but you know what? She knows that I'm a woman of God and I ask her, hey, are you okay with me praying? I pray for each going into a session and coming out of the session. That's good. You shared a little bit about your relationship that you were in and the relationship that I had before I married my husband ended in watching him be murdered. And so- I wasn't even trying to stop the deal with it. Yeah. But when I, baby, when I got married. (laughs) You had to deal with it. So how does trauma affect relationships? So I look at trauma as a cancer. And I'm going to talk like I'm talking to believers. When trauma hits your life, it opens up a wound. And what it does, it goes down to the deepest, darkest parts of you and lives there. And it waits to create havoc. Okay. And there are three spirits that you would deal with when you are dealing with trauma, the spirit of death, the spirit of fear, and the spirit of infirmity, right? Because trauma comes to kill you and suck every bit of life out of you. It wants to come steal your dreams, your goals, the promises of what God has said, right? Mm. So it literally kills you because it does something to the soul, but it also does something to the mind. And I mm. always tell somebody, heal your soul and your mind will follow. So if you have all these things going on in your soul, what now begins to happen is the PTSD. PTSD is just fear. That's all it is. And then from the fear, because your body's not regulated, you have the spirit of infirmity, which is afflictions, wounds. You see people with bipolarism. You see people with uh, autoimmune diseases, all these things that your body is saying, "Uh, alert, 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 something's going on inside. So how does trauma affect relationships? It breaks down who you really are in God, okay? You lose your identity. Oftentimes when people, you don't know who they are because they're associating who they are with their trauma, right? And so it prevents us from having healthy and fulfilling relationships. And so because we don't know who we are, we feel this sense of fear and threat all the time. I remember I used to walk in a room And I have all these gifts, but I still feel insecure. You talk about friendships. I would jump in relationships with the same, all my friends had trauma. So I had no example for healthy relationships. So I was always in and out having some type of problem with women. I'm gonna be honest, like I didn't like dealing with women. I'd rather deal with men. Why is that? Because subconsciously, I wanted to be with the man. That's where I felt the most comfortable. That's where I needed love, but not realizing that I needed sisterly love. But I couldn't have sisterly love because all my friends were wounded. So you were always going to find this instability in relationship. It's going to be one thing, a problem, a fight. I mean, I have this one friend and I really had to finally let her go because it was always this, we be friends and stop talking for months. We be friends, stop talking. I just got tired of it when I healed. Like, girl, this is not healthy. And here's another thing I want y'all to pay attention to. When you heal, you are going to see the people that you thought wanted you to be healed. They really mm. did, right? Because what it said, misery loves company. I'm asking for my friends. I'm asking for my girlfriends here. 
Yeah, you know, mm-mm. I'm not trying to deal with no women. I ain't mm-hmm. trying to, you know, it's always something. Or no, yeah. she wants something from me. Mm-hmm. It can be anything that would trigger mm-hmm. that it's time for me to break yeah. off from, or not have a female friendship. And I like the way that you said you had so many unhealthy or broken female friends that you did not know how to have a mm-hmm. healthy female relationship. Yeah. What do you look for to find a healthy female relationship? So what do you look for? I think, first of all, you got to look inside yourself before you can look for anything. Because I got to be what I want. So I had to do some introspective work like, Sia, what's going on? Right? All your relationships is broken. It can't just be them. So I had to do some work in myself. And then I had to surround myself around women that were healthy. A lot of times you don't know what healthy looks like. But here's how I knew what healthy looked like, because it was challenging me and it made me feel uncomfortable, but all at the same time made me feel safe. I'm going to tell you, I had a struggle with Black women. It didn't change until God bring a healthy Black woman into my life on my job that wasn't trying to be envious of me, jealous of me, compete with me. And I was like, man, she's different. Mm-hmm. So meet that experience or that, that model by chance, by crossing yeah. And then I knew that was healthy because it was different from dysfunction. She showed me that I got your back, girl. I'm going to help you. I see good in you. And even when I was, I would tell her all about my bad relationship. Girl, that's not what you need. And then I had to be proactive. What does that look like? Read about it. Ask God to show me. So sometimes it will just happen by chance because we're praying like, God, bring me better friends. That was really my prayer, Father God, like bring me some better friends. And not that these women were bad. They were just unhealthy because of their wounds. And as I began to heal, I had to break those relationships off because I was in a different place. And it no longer served the purpose. Trauma bonding. We were bonded by our trauma. And we said we were friends, but we didn't really know the definition of friendship. Yeah. We didn't know the definition of love. Yeah. So how do you look, pray, ask, and start to have a a sense of awareness around you. Mm -hmm. And if it's uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that it's a threat. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because it's different from what you've known. Yes. You mentioned learn, explore. And that is like my motto. That's my Mm -hmm. anchor. You have to be willing to learn something different. And learning means explore, read books. Mm -hmm. You, a dynamic force to be reckoned with and one (laughs) that you want her in your life reckoning with your stuff. (laughs) We're going to deal with it in love, you know? And I think that's what makes my ministry so unique is that one, I have this unique way of connecting with people's pain. I've always been like that as a child. And because I see your pain, I see the sensitivity and I know how to love it and nurture it back to life. But it's not me, it's the God in me. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we shouldn't miss as healers. Don't ever get to the point where you think it's you. When my clients come and say, thank you, I say, thank God. Don't thank me, I'm just the instrument. Because any point in day I could wake up and be like, I don't want to do this no more. That's right. (laughs) Right? And I know that I'm an instrument. What made you stay? Wow. What made me stay was the fear of the unknown. You never know what, when I take that risk to leave or when I say enough is enough, what's on the other side. Even if God is talking to you, let's be honest. God has talked to us about a lot of things, but to honestly take that leap off the edge and say, God, I'm a free fall and just let you catch me. Mm -hmm. 
I was scared to do that because being with a dysfunctional man was my norm. Dealing with trauma was my norm. And even though I didn't like the way it made me feel, at least I knew what to expect. You just and said I knew so how to handle and navigate through it. So I would have moments where I'd be down and be like, okay, it's going to pass. You know, after a few weeks, few days of having these highs and lows. I told a lady the other day, I was a functional depressant. She said, what's that? I said, just like a functional alcoholic. They go get up and go to work. And then when they come home, they start binge drinking. When yeah. I came home, I fell into deep depression. Yeah, yeah. And I think what made me stay was I had invested so much, I didn't want to lose, knowing that I was already losing. Losing what? <laughs> you know? And then it was like, that's what I seen my mom do. See, a lot of things that we don't understand when we say, why we can't stop doing this? Because it's in your DNA, right? Not literally God's DNA, but your natural DNA. It's an imprint. It's a working in you. It's an addiction. It's a habit that needs to be broken. It's a stronghold for those of you that are spiritual listeners right now. A stronghold is not easy to break. So when you tell somebody, well, girl, just leave. That don't even make sense to their mind. Leave and do what? Leave and go where? Do you got an alternative for me? Are you going to be with me walking 24-7 when I have those withdrawals? No, you're not. So we got to be very cautious when we tell people, just leave, just do this. Don't bring your opinions if you don't have a solution. And if you're not going to be part of the solution, that's another thing. People that have trauma, they need you to walk hand in hand with them. This is not no easy work. One day I'm angry. The next day I'm fully depressed. The next day I want to break somebody's neck. So <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I don't know if you know, but there was this African preacher that killed his wife and everybody. Well, she should have just left. Left and went. Do you know the mind frame of a woman that is bond in captivity? Yes. Mind? Do you know what happens to her mind when she even thinks about leaving? And then what she feels in her body just one yes. like what the consequence of that's gonna be. Yeah. And so my mind, I couldn't see it. I told you it was only by the grace of God. My first counselor, they call him, it's so funny. His name is the man named Moses. I mean, I went to him and he started telling me how to leave. I stopped seeing him. I'm going to be serious. I wasn't ready to leave. You're not listening to me. You're not understanding what. And it's not that he wasn't equipped. Something in me was like, boom, you're trying to have me face my reality. Oh, I can't. My reality broke that, honey, this is not real, what you've been living in. I was like, no. And then months later, I came back to him and I apologized. But (laughs) it's that real. Y'all, I'm just just repeating the stuff she said because she just be saying some good stuff. (laughs) It's addictive. It is. It is hard. And I think when we put our trust in God to heal us, then we're not so moved by how long it's going to take. Because one thing, I'm 40 years old, so that's 40 years of trauma, right? Or should I say 37, really? 37 years of trauma, because that's really when I fully experienced my healing, okay? And when I say fully, I think we have this idea that when you heal, it's like everything's gone away. You never deal with anything. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I experienced the healing of God that allowed me to recover from what I went through. The molestation doesn't bother me or affect me. I think you have to have wisdom on trusting people, but I don't have trust issues. That's the difference, right? So I put my trust in God to heal me. But here's the thing. Like Miss Reba said, once you've healed over one thing, there's something else. Because that's 37 years of trauma I have to overcome. 
Now, I believe, yes, when the Holy Spirit heals you, he heals you. But the manifestation of that sometimes takes time. What was the breaking point for you in your relationship or? So I mentioned earlier, I was in an eight-year situationship with a man that I believed I loved. And here's the thing. I want to say this because somebody needs to hear this. So I heard through the lens of my wounds. Now, here's the thing. There are some things that God confirmed with this individual, but then there are some things that my wounds wanted to be attached to. So there comes the confusion. And there was times where I thought I was really hearing from God and I wasn't. But I wanted to say that because sometimes you need to make sure when you're in a relationship and you say that it's God, it's really from God. I was looking so much to the potential of God in him that I didn't realize the reality of who he was. And he was a broken man. And in him being a broken man and me being a broken woman, we were both doing damage to each other. I was enabling his behavior to abuse me and abuse other women. And so he never put his hands on me, but he was verbally, mentally, emotionally abusive to me. I already had abandonment issues. So he would leave and come and be with other women. He had children that became a part of my life but then had a children with another woman that he was with who he later married. So we talk about that very hurtful and woundful things. There was a point where I got tired of being tired. It wasn't about the man. It was about all the compounded wounds that led up to this situation that intensified it. And there was a night where I was so tired and I was like, God, I'm tired. And I was driving home on the 45 freeway for those of you that live in Houston. And I was just weeping uncontrollably. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, my wounds were so deep, Miss Reba. And I remember like, I'm gonna drive off this freeway. Literally, like, I wasn't thinking about my son. I was, I'm tired. Like, and that's how bad trauma is. This is not something you play with. When we see people like, they got some deep, deep, I had some deep, deep wounds. What was the purpose of my life? Mm -hmm. To live in pain? To live in agony? I didn't know how to choose something better because... That's all I've been shown. And so in that moment, I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know how I got home that night. All I remember saying was like, God help me. I made it home next morning, woke up in my bed. And that was it. I was like, oh no, something got to change. And I allowed myself to go through the pain daily. I'm going to say, when you hear that phrase of walking dead, yeah, I was walking dead, mm. like literally numb. I mean, you're not living when you're dealing with trauma, you're just surviving. And then I was like, okay, I got to find somebody to help me. I found a counselor, started walking through that. And then in the midst of that, you have to cut all contact off with these relationships. I had to. I found somebody. At some point, I had him paying for my counseling because I'm like, look, I didn't have the money to pay for it. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you doing counseling because you want to leave me? Yes, I do want to leave you. Um, <laughs> but that was a breaking point for me when I wanted to take my life. Your life is not worth your pain. Say it one more time. Your life is not worth your pain. Pain is momentarily. Because in that moment, the enemy is looking for an opportunity to take your life. If you yes. don't take your life, he's going to take your mind. He's coming to take something. All the time. All the time. So that was my breaking moment. So good, praise God, that you're still here. One thing you need to understand, everybody's healing journey is different. So don't look at somebody, how Miss Reba took her healing journey is different from how I took mine, but the outcome is that you're gonna be healed, right? So have perspective around that. And in order to heal, I say this, you can't fix what you won't face. Until you're ready to face 
the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. Because there, as much as stuff wasn't my fault, there were still some ugly parts to me. Sia ain't a perfect woman. So, okay, Sia, yes, your parents allowed you to go through this and you experienced this, but what are you accountable for, right? And I'm not saying the hurts and the wounds and people molesting. No, that's not what I'm saying. When you get to adult, there's some accountability. And that's the hard part because we want to point fingers. But then also in order to heal, you must feel. That's why a lot of us run away. We don't want to feel the pain. You have to go back and revisit those places and face those fears. But the beautiful thing about it is you don't have to do it alone. There's people out there to help you. God is your anchor, like you said, Miss Reva. And there's beauty in surrendering. Because I surrender, that means I don't have to take all the weight and do it alone. Like I can just, God, have your way and lead me wherever you want to lead me and take me to whoever you want to take me to. But here's the beautiful thing. Trauma always has a purpose. So ultimately, yes, it hurts. Yes, it will have you feeling so broken. But man, when God does the transformation, the purpose, two clients, they're high status. I would never see myself speaking to people in that level, healing them. Me? You coming to me? You know what I'm saying? I'm speaking? What? I done wrote a book. Like all these things could come about from your pain. They say, turn your pain into purpose. That's what God does. What does the Bible say? He will turn your ashes into beauty. beauty. That's what I'm experiencing right now. I'm not talking to y'all about something that I hope and think is going to happen. I'm living it. So when you can live in your purpose and look back and be like, what? I don't even know that girl. I don't even know that man. That's how I look at myself sometimes. God is a fulfiller. He will never negate on his word. He said everything else will fail except his word. So that's a guarantee. I had to meditate on that and remind myself, God will never fail me. People will, but God will never fail you. And that's how you heal. So sweet, so sweet. Lord, you are so (laughs) generous to us and we thank you for your instrument. I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. Can you tell us where to reach you on social media networks? Okay. We have a podcast called Words That Heal the Heart. Well, for those of you that want to follow me, I'm always putting some type of trauma inspiration or education on my page. So you can follow me at Facebook at Instrument of God Ministries, Instagram at IOG underscore ministries, and Twitter at I underscore M underscore IOG. And for those of you that are interested in maybe having a trauma recovery session, you can visit me at my website at www.instrument of God.com. With us talking about relationship trauma, I want to offer to anyone that's listening, give yourself space to explore mm-hmm. all of your thoughts about the previous relationship so that you can really know how and what direction you need to go in to get healing. There always there's some sort of residue. You're not mm-hmm. a bad person if you yeah. experience a bad relationship. Most definitely seek out some help. You don't have to do it alone. And this is the whole point of me doing a podcast is for me to offer my space, powerful women that's out there as a resource. And so please check her out, look her up. Um, And this has been another episode of Girlfriend Let's Talk Podcast with Reva. And thank you guys for signing in and we will check you later. And until then, be great. Yes, bye-bye. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Girlfriend Let's Talk, powered by My Story, the magazine. Stay connected with us directly through our website, www.mystorythemagazine.com. 
You can also join the discussion on Instagram and Facebook at at my story, the magazine. If you would like to share your story or like to speak with us, please send us an email through hello at mystorythemagazine.com. And as always, thank you for having Girl Chat with us. Until next time, girl, go be great.